0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Live Pono, Love Pono podcast. We are
1: a podcast that focuses on creating and building healthy relationships. Love Pono's mission is to provide a safe environment to help the community build and maintain healthy relationships through education, intervention, campus and community resources and counseling. We educate our community through events, social media campaigns, and workshops to cultivate a campus culture of responsibility and respect, ultimately preventing interpersonal violence. We're excited to have you here today for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to our Live Pono, Love Pono podcast. The topic discussed is about suicide. This can be difficult or triggering to listen to as it may discuss blame, guilt, self-harm, depression abuse, rape, and graphic details of suicide, even if you've not been in a similar situation, please take care of yourself. Go to our website for more resources at www.leeward.hawaii.edu slash lovepono or visit our Instagram at lovepono for more additional resources this month.
0: Aloha to all of our listeners. I am student government president Alex Williamson and I am a Love Pono assistant here at Leeward Community College. I'm very excited to bring this topic of suicide awareness and how it relates to relationships to Love Pono at this time. We, are, we at Love Pono feel honored and privileged to have this opportunity to speak with Dr. Loretta Chin. Welcome Dr. Loretta Chin, thank you so much for spending your time and enlightening us about this topic. Dr. Chin is an amazing author, philanthropist, actress, professor at Leeward, and so much more. I've had the opportunity to be in her class and meet her personally, and I'm just amazed by her work. I love her books, and I'm so grateful to be here today because... Suicide awareness and uh, suicide prevention is a topic that is close to her heart and to her family, and that's what we're going to be sharing a little bit about today, which she actually spoke briefly about in her 2014 book, Woman on Top, Uh, and that's how I was aware of it. So when we were doing this topic at Love Pono, I knew she was the person to reach out to because I thought her story was really interesting and really important to share. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Dr. Loretta Chin, and I'm so grateful you're here today. How are you?
1: very very well alex always good to see you um very very uh, humbled and honored to be part of such an important uh, topic podcast suicide awareness month is obviously something that's very close to my heart and it's definitely shaped me to become the person that i am today so very very happy to be here so go ahead fire away i'm happy to be of service to you sir
0: thank you again really appreciate it so obviously uh again we're talking about suicide awareness we're talking about uh, essentially suicide prevention or, um, you know, dealing with trauma and how it relates to relationships in general. Um, like I said, from reading your book, Woman on Top, I know this is, um, you know, a story that or a situation that is personal to you. I know that you had an experience with a suicide from a former partner. And I know that it gets even more detailed and intricate. And I'd just like to, for you to share a little bit more about that at the moment.
1: Sure. How much time sure we've got? We've got about 20 minutes. So this kind of takes me back about 22 years uh, sort of dates me as well so of course i can say this today uh, with a smile on my face uh, uh, speaking to you alex always makes me smile but of course um this was me when i was about 24 years old um and uh i am a phd student on full scholarship right born and raised in singapore got a full scholarship to read my master's in London, then I got a full scholarship to read my master, PhD in UCLA. So I was like, whoa! I was high on life, right? I was a TA as you are, um, an RA, you know, and with my little bit of money I made, I got myself a little beat up sports car, and I was living in uh, Mulholland Drive in Bel Air in LA. I was like, woohoo, I'm living the life. And I fell in love, you know, for the first time in my life, like really sort of fell in love and just felt, well, this is it. And her name was Grace. Um, and I, I think I met her when I was 23 or 24 at a party, one of those cheesy stories, but you know, uh, the time when we could still go party, right? <laughs> so we went partying and, uh, before I knew it, I was head over heels in love with her. And, uh, we, we embarked on a relationship and, and then I found out that she was actually married to someone else, um, a lady named Han. And long story short, uh, for brevity of time, because we only have about 20 minutes. So Han was, um, born and raised in Vietnam, and she had obviously seen the traumas of the Vietnam War, and her family and her moved to Cambodia, only to then um, be privy and victim to the Khmer Rouge, uh, which is a genocide um, enacted by their uh, dictator leader, Pol Pot. Anyway, so that's the background of Hun and grace had always told me that i love you and i want to be with you but i don't know how to leave my partner because of my sense of responsibility um, and because she is so deeply broken from her trauma and i was like 23 or 24. i didn't quite then understand the depths of what trauma and your history could do to you right i was 23 24 i was like high on life and thinking that (laughs) Conquer anything, you know, if you put your mind on anything, you can do it. I'm still that same person, I'm still that same person, right? Um, but that same person was like 23 or 24, gave sage advice to Grace, and I said, You know what? Uh, honesty, love, truth, courage is the most important thing, and I still believe it, right? I, I don't Uh, doubt anything that I believe in. And I said, you must be honest and you have to tell her you fall in love with me and you need to let her go because um, you know, I don't think she likes it too. She knows that you've now fallen in love with someone else. So I said you have to do the honest thing and just just let her know. But Grace had always told me that um if I left her, she would so was was like nobody kills themselves for love, right? I said, and I remember saying things like this and I was like at my grand old age of 23 or 24 that You know, a life is too big a responsibility to take and too big a responsibility to bear, right? Uh, Let me say that again. Your life is too big a responsibility to give and too huge a responsibility to take. Basically, I was saying, you know, Han can can't entrust you or, or put her entire life on you, right? Neither should you take it. Until today, I still believe this. However, today I'm that much more nuanced because what had happened was I told this to Grace and obviously Grace took my grand sage advice. And on the day that um, Grace tells Han, uh, she's gonna leave her to be with me because of all the reasons, right? I love you, Han, but I fall in love with someone else. I wanna be honest to you. It's very hard for me. I wanna do the courageous thing. Just know that, I, all. so Grace said all the right things, uh, but still on the day of the breakup, Han kills herself she hangs herself in the middle of their car garage and she is i don't know how uh, your students can take this but uh, i just want you to know the extent of the trauma um she's a very petite young lady barely 100 pounds um and she hung herself uh, to death in in um grace and her home car garage and she had to you know bite her tongue basically to to die right because she was uh, very petite and um I want to share all of this in detail because you can't imagine um, the horrors, the guilt, the devastation that Grace had when she drove through the car garage. Um, And so immediately I I headed down, um, saw what had happened, and of course I think all of the moments after are a complete blur, but the long and short of it is that was my real education that really began i think that was um uh the moment where i think i I grew up i didn't know that then um but i know it now and so the weeks that follow were again a blur but i could summarize it as the following a lot of guilt a lot of um a lot of sadness a lot of self questioning, like, what did I do? I think there was when people talk about the stages of grief, I I can definitely attest to that, because I think at the start, it was what's all happening, there's denial, I can't believe it. Uh, And knowing me, um, because I'm such a trooper, it was like, I'm back to work mode, I was planning for the funeral. And the irony is, um, I'm ethnically Chinese. And so I spoke a former dialect that Hans family spoke. Biggest irony of it all, Alex, was that I was planning the funeral of my girlfriend's girlfriend or my girlfriend's wife that I feel completely responsible for and nobody would know. (laughs) So there must be some macabre humor about all of this, right? I mean, that was the way I I, I sort of survived it. Not then, not then. Now I do. But then it was so devastating. Anyway, long story short, that was what happened. Morbidly
0: (laughs) poetic. and
1: then fast forward a hundred days later so so obviously the hundred days after Han's death was uh very sad a lot of guilt um now grace is this uh you can't tell how tall the statue as i am through through the podcast but i'm about five seven um grace is like this i put she's probably like five five but she's this like butch girl you know a really good looking butch girl that rode like a, a big bike you know and she was strong and tough but i watch her whittle down from you know this statuesque, you know butch, strong, gorgeous um, woman to being like barely hundred pounds. Um, she was smoking and drinking a lot, and she was taking a lot of risks with her life. By that I mean she was um, driving um, under the influence of alcohol. She decided to just not show up for work. She just lost her life spirit. And I saw that all happen within a period of 100 days. The reason why I keep saying 100 days is because on January 19th, which is the day before Grace's birthday, by this time, I'd I'd gone back to L.A. Uh, So a small, minor detail. uh, Grace lives in North California in a town called Davis, and I live in L.A. So um, I'd gone back to L.A. because obviously I was reading my PhD. And uh, I remember calling her on January 19th. Which was the day before her birthday, and I just saw Madonna on TV. I was like, "Oh my God, it's Madonna! We gotta celebrate! Let's watch this together!" Right? Back in the day when people watch TV, so I was calling her to say, "Turn on the TV, babe. Like, we gotta watch Madonna together." And no one answered the phone, which is bizarre because usually she will answer the phone. Uh, and so I thought that was strange. Um, and then I—it's a little blur to me, so we me just pause for thought. Yeah, but i remember january 19th feeling really crappy um and then January 20th came which was her birthday and i think i was devastated i think i was giving a presentation in class and i couldn't get through with it and here was i like always needing to be like the performer i always have to do my best and i just sort of like broke down and just cried in middle of class and i remember having the most empathetic professor who you know later then had a conversation with me out of the room and i told her that i'm really sorry um my girlfriend, my girlfriend's girlfriend, just passed away, and I was bawling my eyes out. And she, she, my professor, actually like held me and said, "I understand. My sister uh, took her own life too." And it was just this like moment where I was just like, "Wow," you know. I thought there was so much shame and guilt in, in crying, and then here was this professor like just holding me and saying, "That's okay. I've been through the same thing." And I was like, "What?" And then that moment, validating right? I probably didn't process it as I am now. But it made me realize that you need to talk because once you talked about it, you are then finding comfort and support and recognizing that there are probably a lot of people who have had similar experiences, but you don't know because everyone's walking around, right? And you just think their lives are perfect. Anyway, so then what happened was uh, a couple of days went by. Again, it's all a blur, but I remember it on like the third or fourth day, uh, I woke up feeling like, huh? um oh at some point too i remember reaching out to a friend i had the presence of mind to reach out to a friend and i said i need to go to a a temple you know like i i i'm not religious but i like going to buddhist temples my friend came and drove me to to monterey to go to a buddhist temple i'm feeling a little bit better um again little side note there is having friends real friends you can count on not be afraid to ask for help um having something they believe in uh, if it's religion or faith um nature animals something right so for me it was going to a quiet space so anyway so so my friend takes me there and a couple of days later this is all a little bit of a blur to me but i remember the feelings right like the milestones I remember calling grace's home again and this time her brother brandon picks up and i was like that is very weird because brandon does not live in uh davis he he you know and i was like brandon so you know what happened and i said oh everything's fine don't worry about it and i said oh, okay anyway then later on a friend of mine calls uh carrie and she says hey loretta are you okay and i said yeah yeah i'm fine uh, and she says are you sure i said yeah, yeah yeah and she says oh shall i come visit you this weekend and i said um sure but why you know because she, she lives in davis And she says, Oh, no, I just want to come visit you because because I want to come see my grandma and I want to come see you. But somehow I had a sense that it wasn't that. And so I just asked, I said, "Oh no," I said, uh, uh, Is it because are you coming to see me because Grace is dead? Something happened to Grace? And she said, How did you know? And I said, I I didn't. But now I do. And Kevin was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. And then you're just like bawling our eyes out. And then I was comforting her, like, oh, that's okay. Again, I'm telling you, in hindsight, right, you must have a, a, a macabre sense of humor. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, but I'm telling you, having great friends is just amazing. Again, side note, always cultivate great friendships, right? Because you know, when the bleep hits the fan, they will be there. Right, I mean, always just be a wonderful, upright, loving, caring person. Because you know those friends, I I I give credit to them every all the time because they saved me. Carrie um, came all the way um, to literally take me back to Davis because she said, "I don't want you traveling alone. I don't I don't feel safe you traveling alone, so I want to come get you." So that's exactly what Carrie did, and together Carrie and Laura. Um, kind of literally handheld me like this, and um, and we went up the flight, and um, we went to see Grace, uh, and then it was it was kind of uh, hard because Grace had left um, very clear instructions to her family to say to not let me know that she had done this because she did not want me to go through what Hun uh, she didn't want me to go through what she did finding Hun. And so she told her family to say, please keep it from Loretta. She doesn't need to be hurt. And so the family all sort of protected me by not telling me what's happened because that was Grace's last words to them. Like, take care of her. I have to do what I have to do to be with Han. And I wanna be buried with Han because that is how I feel that I can atone my sins. You know? for for causing harm to her but what i can do for loretta is to protect her to not let her find me so her family said, um uh, all sort of say everything's fine loretta we love you everything's fine <laughs> and so i remember driving down to uh the funeral and it's so bizarre so we drove down to so i remember calling kept calling family family's like no no everything's fine loretta it's fine." <laughs> Okay, they're trying to like tell me everything's fine and anyway, it's so funny so we call the funeral home because obviously i know where Han is buried so obviously i put two and two together i'm like if there's any place she will be buried in you should be buried in where Han is because remember i planned the funeral right and i knew it'd be in san jose los gatos which would be not where Grace will want to be buried because I would know where Grace will want to be buried. She would want to be buried here in Hawaii because she's from Hawaii. She's always said that, but because of this, I know intuitively that she would be buried in Los Gatos in San Jose. And so, remember calling the funeral parlor, and a funeral parlor said, "Okay, this is the date of the funeral. This is the time. Come then." And so, I remember Carrie and Laura drove. Like it was raining. <laughs> it was so dramatic. It was like some Thelma and Louise uh, movie. I don't know if you folks know the reference. they were like driving the rain. I was bawling my eyes out. Anyway, we get to the uh, funeral site, and apparently it was uh like the wrong day because we were late. Anyway, right? Because you know, I was come. I was flying. I was flying in from LA. Anyway, and, and so we were late. And the funeral folks said, "Oh, actually, the funeral is postponed uh, because uh, they dug up the wrong grave." For real, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so then it turned out to be a really wonderful thing for me because I thought I was late for the funeral because I was like rushing right because remember Carrie calls me we're rushing and then I was getting on the fly, and so we were late uh and then but now of course we know the exact date and the exact time because uh, uh the custodian tells us exactly when and so we show up on that day um and her family Brendan and Francis her brothers like came out and they saw me and they say Loretta we're really sorry but that was Grace's wish like don't be there now, but um, when we leave, you have your personal time. I'd say, no, I understand. Uh, because obviously then um Han's family was there too, right? Uh so Grace's wish was was to be married buried with with Han as as like um, wife and wife. So Brendan and Francis her brother said it's it's best you're not there. Um come back later. And so yeah, so then I, I had a little moment with Grace after uh, the ceremony, and I always remember that. So you know that's that's a that's a, a, a very sort of um, a long memory to share. But I really wanted to share that because that obviously has become a, a huge part of who I am. Uh, and thank you for for allowing me to uh, share that memory. So so yeah, because of that experience. Um, I obviously know and feel firsthand uh, what grief can do what um, depression really feels like because after that uh I I think the days after uh again it's a blur I don't remember I think uh trauma also sort of does a number on your on your memory maybe it's self-preservation I think the body does amazing things the body uh is a work of art and magic uh, I think it's for self self-preservation I think some things are blurred Anyway, so I remember thinking that I could do this, right? This I'm Loretta I could do anything. I can, you know, survive this. I remember when my breakdown really happened because I think because Grace died January nineteenth, a day before her birthday. Her birthday is January twentieth. Because she always told me by January twentieth, I promise you, I'm going to sort out my life and I'll be with you by January twentieth. And so she took her own life on January nineteenth because she felt like she could not um, uh, commit that commit that promise to me, right? So. But I was holding it together for the next two weeks until February 14th. And it's not just the fact it was Valentine's Day, it was actually Chinese New Year in Singapore, where I'm from. I remember calling home and telling my family, Happy New Year, I love you. And just hearing my family's voice, like I lost it, right? I like totally lost it. I felt like, oh my God, I what did I do? I, I remember that was my tripping point, February 14th, where I think I can honestly say I really entered like serious depression like I, I felt it like somehow I just knew like okay this is not okay and it was also the other trigger was around the same time that's uh this is where um uh we, we all had these like cell phones and then back then cell phones were not like now where you just pay like a monthly uh, amount back then uh using cell phones were very expensive and so every call would be detailed you know I remember that and so I received the little bill that came in and I realized that Grace had, uh, I, I left a message for Grace on her uh, birthday, uh, on, on the 19th, to say, I love you, take all the time you need to heal, la 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 la. Uh, and and the, the phone bill would actually tell me the time, like I made the call and she received the call and all of that. And I put two and two together because the, the coroner told me that she killed herself at around this time which was when she um was after she received my my call which is when I called her and then it was a couple of it was the same time and so that just like like did it for me together with um you know February 14th which was um Chinese New Year and Valentine's and again so like I said triggers right so the part I'm gonna link to later on is like there'll be these triggers that you need to look look out for. Uh, So that I just had a real downward spiral, but I somehow had the presence of mind to check myself into hospital. Uh, I knew that I was getting to a point where I was doing self-harm. I was trying to experiment with different ways of killing myself. Um, I tried to do a variety of ways. I wrote in my book, you know, uh, uh, because they both hanged themselves. Grace did the same thing too. She killed herself the same way Honda. And I was like, I was going to try all this variety of ways. (laughs) Like, this is so difficult I can't, I can't do this you know like it's like do i fling myself off the mountain do i drink poison do i hang myself like i was like i'm checking myself i had hospital.
0: to bring the theater <laughs> into it all <laughs>
1: like i said I, I laugh about it now and i have a great sense of humor but then it wasn't funny and uh but i i checked myself in a hospital so again this is where my little side note seeking professional help very important and i did um and so again uh just pause and if you ask me for questions if you want otherwise i'll just i'll just keep going and then i i checked myself in the hospital ucla had till today i will say i mean i don't know how mental health um has uh progressed through the years or the treatment i'm sure it's it's phenomenal but back then in the year 2000 2001 i just thought ucla was amazing I checked myself into um, the psych ward, and oh, oh! I got checked in right. I, I, I went into the emergency ward, and they immediately checked me into the psych ward, into the acute ward. I'm thinking, oh, great! I'm, I'm acute, I'm like cute, haha. Uh, I was like, hey, b-
0: bright side. <laughs>
1: exactly. Always perspective. I was, I was acute um, patient, and I remember again when I was there. The memories that come back to me are the treatment was so humane kind and loving um we were all asked to just wear our own clothes you know we're not like to wear like little paper outfits right like you're a patient or you know uh, we were asked to bring clothes that we feel comfortable in as long as you know shoelaces or anything you could harm yourself with so again my good friends would bring me you know comfy clothes brought me lots of books to read uh we had a lot of talk story amongst ourselves. And again, I think I really began to understand deeply the benefit of having talk story sessions. That's why I've gladly volunteered to do this with you, listening to other people's stories, sharing my own stories, because I think that was how I started my journey um, of healing. Again, I didn't know it then, but, but in hindsight, I know it now that that it was very seminal anyway i'll pause for breath and then have you to take that all in and, well,
0: and it goes me. back to the validation that you were saying from your professor you know if if someone can hear someone's story and know that they've gone through something similar i mean that's just the first step and so much healing so much um you know validity uh to realize that there's other people who have gone through something similar and you know oh,
1: all worse. Uh, yeah. I yes, for sure. When I started, when we started those talk stories, I was just like, oh my God. Wow. It's wow. I mean, I i thought it was in a bad space, but <laughs> you know, when you really start listening, wow. Yeah. So many more experiences.
0: Uh, wow. There's so much power in, in sharing experiences for, for both for all parties, you know, and I think that's why so grateful that you have been sharing your story, you know, so obviously it was just inspiring in general to read it when I did in your book, but obviously this more detailed version has, you know, it's just been emotional. So thank you. That's just been really, really, really uh, great. I appreciate it. Um, in, in regards to like where you go forward after that, like, I mean, that's just such a tough thing to possibly, you know, go through and recover from. I mean, besides just in your everyday life, like what kind of, what did it, what did it teach you? Um, you know, especially in regards to like relationships, not just, you know, intimate, but like with family and the people around you and and how, how you communicated, how you saw things, I'm sure it totally changed your life. Um, I mean, obviously, um,
1: yeah, it definitely changed my life and I, you know, do a lot of talk stories and say the power of perspective and how it's changed my life. So I think one seminal moment was um, having a doctor in UCLA. I remember he's this like, very sweet Jewish doctor uh, and I uh, remember him telling, speaking to me Mandarin and he said, zi." I remember he said, saying that, which means, I'll translate for you that um, in, in Mandarin, the word for adversity and opportunity are one and the same these days it's a meme people talk about it it's floating everywhere on the internet but trust me 22 years ago when i heard this it was like mind-blowing for me from this like jewish doctor and he was just you know telling this to me and it stuck in my head and this is something that i always do when i start my talk story that every, with every crisis is an opportunity and i remember like somehow he took the time to spend time with me. Maybe he does this for everybody, but at that point in time, he made me feel special. I think that's really important to have someone validate you and make you feel special. He took me around the wards. Again, I don't know if he's supposed to do that. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not, but my point is I'm incredibly grateful. He took me around and he would tell me that, look, Loretta, you're going through a very, very bad time. But there's some folks who are permanently living really bad times because of either a biological uh, problem or something that's happened to them um, in, their, in their childhood. So for example, I, I met with a lady who was very sweet and kind, but she was um, raped by her father throughout childhood and you know uh, it's constantly haunted by those memories and then I met um, severely uh, autistic folks like severely like really, and, and there's just so much trauma and and um, self loathing and a lot of violence, you know, So he would show me the whole spectrum, not uh, to uh, say that one is better than the other, but to give me perspective. That was what he was doing. And that's why it's, it's, it's cultivated my ability to always have a sense of perspective. Because we often always think, especially when we are either very successful, feeling at the top of the world or very down, we we have the tendency to think that, oh, woe is me, this is only happening to me or I'm so amazing. I'm the king of the world. Right. But he gave me perspective to say it's it's perspective and we're all on a spectrum. So that was, I think, one lesson he got me to to recognize. And then I somehow also had the presence of mind after um, I got a little bit better uh, to travel, uh, and again I encourage this greatly. Why? Because it, it goes with the mantra of expanding your horizons. Uh, and mind you, travel doesn't mean you need to, you know, go, book yourself some first class, you know, flight to New York and then you feel broke and poorer, right? I, I what I did was I I took myself on short uh, trips. I mean, I was a I was a student didn't have a lot of money and so I went through to developing countries I went to third world countries and I went to Cambodia and Vietnam because obviously uh, because of Han and I saw that there were folks who would never have the opportunities that I have right the fact that you and I can be zooming and having a podcast uh, that in itself is is privilege we don't see it but it is
0: oh for sure oh for sure yeah Uh,
1: and so I remember volunteering with um a sex traffic workers camp. They were girls between the ages of eight to 18. And we're looking at them and thinking, I remember asking them, you know, girls, what do you be when you grow up? And they say, oh, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a nurse. And then I asked them, okay, why do you want to do that? And they said, well, they want to change the world. And I remember, you know, choking up, holding up at my tears, because here here I was 24 years old and thinking, oh my God, I'm so beaten and I'm so broken and woe is me. And I try to kill myself and I'm so such a failure and a loser and, And here are these young girls who have been beaten and abused and raped at a very young age, sold into sexual slavery, and they have the audacity of hope. And so I told my 24-year-old self that nobody's ever going to make me feel inferior, I'm not a victim, and that I also told myself that what I have is already privilege, in that the fact that I could make a choice is in itself a privilege because there's so many people that will never have the ability to make a choice, right? And if I could have the ability to make a choice, I'm going to choose to live my life purposefully. And so I, I dedicated um, the, the rest of my life to saying that I was going to make very purposeful, conscious decisions. And, and I think I've tried for the most part to, to really honor that you know, for the last 22 years. So yeah, that's my other um, big learning. I think it is to surround yourself with with good people surround yourself with good books I read so much and again maybe it's helpful that I didn't have social media then so I think it it helps to really shut off sometimes and shut out the noise I read a lot I read a lot of very good books that prompted me to think not just swipe and scroll and look at other people's lives and feel like mine is horrible but read great books that fueled me with knowledge and thought and made me think about the meaning of life uh, value of life, a lot of self help books, personal development books, right? Uh, Kay Redfield Jameson is an author that I would recommend, right? She suffers from bipolar herself, and she's a doctor and psychologist, and she sort of charts herself as she goes into these serious ups and downs. So read great books, surround yourself with really positive people that that honor you and fuel you and, and make you feel loved and and give you time of day. And then to go out and do things that 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 Make you feel whole for me it was traveling and volunteering became a part of my life um giving to the underserved uh feeling like i even on my worst day could still make someone else feel better these are the things that i would say go out there and try to do that right especially on the day that you feel worst about yourself try to go out and see reach out to a homeless person or go out to a volunteer in, in an old folks home, something, right? A, 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 it, it works. It, work, well, it worked for me, but yeah.
0: <laughs> it doesn't work for it, you, it's, your power, it's taking your power back, you know, and it's not, and it's going to look different for different folks, you know, and and oh, it, totally. and it me. doesn't mean that, yeah, yeah. And it, and it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, folks who, who succumb to it are necessarily powerless. Right. It, just, it just means that like, that's just one, one way, the one way you can yes. heal. And um, you know, even though you know, it sounds like you know, like Han and like Grace. just needed to sort of, or, or Han and Grace particularly, just kind of uh, disassociated themselves um, from from the reality and sort of just left instead. And, um, you know, and, 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 again, like it's, there's, there should be no stigma about what they did, but, exactly. but the, but it's definitely depression or anxiety. All of that is a, is a burden. I'm sure everyone can agree. And it's a That's burden right. that can be passed around. Um, and, you know, to be able to take control and say, yeah. this burden is not going to take me this time. That's and right. again, not, not that Haunt and Grace are weak or powerless or anything no. that they, they, no. they had their own journey. But um, but to, to be able to see that journey and take lessons from it and say, no, yeah. this won't happen to me, I will overcome this. You know, it's just so powerful. So I really commend and you. To have,
1: and to really surround yourself with friends and family that, that really make you feel supported, right? Um, yes, and yes. Say, even on good days, that's a thing. It's like, think of, your, think of it as a bank account, right? Save a, save a little bit all the time, right? So same thing, it's like having an emotional bank account. You know um, do 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 a little bit of good things every single day because then you'd have this like emotional bank account to draw from on days that you're really down because I realized that the things that kept me going on the, those days I was really down um, were my friends and family who, 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 who would come around. Uh, and and if you still feel really really down as I did, right um, seek help. there's no shame in seeking help. there's no shame in saying I want to kill myself and I feel horrible uh, and I'm broken and I need help. Very powerful, very, very powerful to say those words to say I'm broken. Can you heal me? And I remember the doctors telling me because I was such a proud like Asian woman, right? And they were like, look, if you broke your leg, you would fix it. I'm like, yes, yeah, I have surgery now 10 times. I'll, I'll be waiting for surgery next week, so 10 times. Uh, and they said, same thing, your heart is broken. You need to get it fixed and your mind is broken. you got to get it fixed. You know, it's like, we have no oh, problem saying, like, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm in a cast, and you yeah. know, we get people to sign on our cast, and, yep. you know, we're yep. we get friends to visit you, or you're an IV drip, and I look at me, my, you know, I'm wearing my cast and my brace, I'm in a wheelchair, and, you know, uh, but we, lots of us walk around, and our hearts broken, and our minds broken, and we need to get help, and there's no shame in that, and so I honor what no you're shame doing, no it's very important, yeah.
0: Oh, you're, you're you're amazing. Um. Well, I think you've uh, been sort of speaking of it in general, but I just wanted to maybe reiterate or maybe uh, reframe or have you sum it up. I know you speak a lot of your formula of self-healing and formula to self-heal. Is this just the advice that you've been giving kind of summed up, or is there anything specific when it comes to a specific formula that you think it would be helpful for people to self heal if they're going through similar things if they're going through depression if they're having thoughts of self-harm uh, perhaps thoughts of suicide what are ways that you know we all can self-heal I know it's we already talked about how it's different for different folks but um, just to open up the 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 broad spectrum of things
1: yeah. I'd say it's like my three R's and in my little Olympic circle so my three R's are to develop a sense of positionality personal reflection and perspective. Uh, the first is really understanding where we are at this point in time, recognizing I'm hurt, I'm broken, or I'm at the brink of suicide, or I am feeling cheated or I'm feeling guilt, something, right? Being able to have the intra-personal skills and being knowing your position is one of the most important things um, that you can try to hone. The other is to be personally reflexive Uh, reflexive as opposed to just being reflective meaning know what's happening and try to take action um so like a reflex right like a knee-jerk reflex and then obviously trying to open up perspective because like i told you one of the things that in hindsight healed me was a doctor who took me around the war right but i remember that was a key lesson i uh, the the light bulb went off he was giving me a life lesson in perspective that's never left me right to be able to look outside of myself to recognize that while I'm hurting, I could still be of service while I'm hurting, someone else could be hurting more. Again, it's not about I'm better or it's not a competition, right? <laughs> it's just having perspective. And the other is my five concentric circles. I think it's important to try and manage energy. Uh, when you're depressed, it's really important to get a lot of rest because irony is when one is depressed, that is tendency to go two ways, be supermatic and then that exacerbates the depression, or be super lethargic where you sleep all day, and then you just don't want to do anything, which is what happened to grace. So trying to learn how to manage your energy on days that you're feeling really horrible, force yourself to go on that little walk, take the little dog out for a walk, right? Do something if you can try and manage the energy, do that positive framing. I mean, like you hear me laugh at my own story at, at the most tragic moment. Somehow I was able to laugh at myself. But to be honest, I think that's what uh, aside from the fact that I'm amazing, uh, i have amazing, I know I'm privileged to have amazing friends and family to to get me through it. I think it's my sense of humor. Like you see me laugh, you uh, heard me laugh so many times on this podcast. It's a very difficult uh, topic, <laughs> but it's not funny, but I, I would laugh at it, having that like a cop sense of humor. Um, connecting, like reaching out and, and connecting, um, like, like, like what you're doing, right? That's why I'll be the first to sign up and say, I'm there, um, even if I have to be vulnerable and share, I'll be there. Because having that line, connecting, very important. And then after that, for me, as I started to heal, I was engaging. I started to use my voice to champion, to be an advocate, to make people aware, right? To to me, I refrained my head, I'm gonna honor Han's life and Grace's life um, by ensuring that the lessons I've learned get passed on, right, to you, to the students who hear this podcast, and then finding meaning finding meaning is so important especially in this very like social media driven world where everything is like in the moment right two seconds two seconds two seconds look at this TikTok look at this it's all about here and now but really finding deep meaning connection like the kind of work you're trying to do so uh, managing energy positive framing connecting engaging finding meaning and then having um, uh, personal reflexivity knowing your position and and having perspective so those are the things and then in addition to reading the books um, surrounding yourself with with loved ones and and really just um, uh, uh, seeking help when you need to very important.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's just amazing. I mean, the, those I really believe that those can help a lot of folks. I mean, it's just helping me like listening to it in general, just learning more about these these ways to just live your life and really re- reframe certain things. But I'd imagine that someone even going through. You know, emotional crisis is like if they were listening right now this would really help them so thank you so much for just sharing that and on that note when it comes to like your impact and like you know what you do uh for us as, as students and just around the world like how like how important is you know everything you've learned to your platform and how do you apply it to your platform and like what and how do you consider that um you know when just day to day um and like the impact that your platform is making
1: um First off, uh, I, I don't think about it in those terms, but then when I get asked to do podcasts like this, you know, like you, then I know that it is doing something. So first off, I think don't do it for the fame, don't do it for the glory, or don't do it for, for the profit. right? I think do it because, of, I do it because there's no other way. I do it because mm-hmm. I truly love people. I truly love knowing that um, I, I've made my one life mean something. Uh, as I sh- shared earlier, I, I had gone through something very difficult that changed me fundamentally. That's just one of the stuff I've gone through. Then there's other life lessons that I share in my book, right? Whether uh, it's my dad's cancer or my mother's brain tumor, life will, will, will take it a roller coaster. But I'll always be thankful that the hottest moments in my life happened when i was so young when i didn't have the vocabulary to even describe what was going through it today uh, you know at 46 years old i think i might have a better grasp but again i may not have had i may not have the ability i have today if not for my 24 year old self so i never look back uh, with regret and so if anything i try to share all my life lessons my experiences um, as best as I can, whether it's through my classes, uh, so yeah, come take my classes, or through my books, uh, or through uh, the social media platforms that I'm on, or the metaverses I'm trying to create, I'm trying to create this metaverse for good, uh, because I truly believe, like I just said earlier, um, connection is so important, engagement is so important, and I truly believe, as Margaret Mead said, to never underestimate the power of one committed individual, or a small group of committed citizens, because it's because it will change the world because it it has been the only thing that has changed the world right commitment of a very small group of people that can change the world and i believe that wholeheartedly um and so i i'm just very thankful to have the ability to to share all my gifts um in all the platforms that i have so i I, I thank you and i remember you telling me 20 minutes and now it's like an hour so
0: (laughs) this is such this is such an important conversation that i imagine people are going to be hooked don't you worry i it's the, the the 20 minutes thing is you know more for just the broad generalization of what people are used to with podcasts but people are going to be really interested in all the important you know messages we've been sharing um you know on on that note i'm going to share a couple resources um for suicide awareness and general and then I'd love to take just a minute to sort of plug you and just like the awesome books you've mentioned in the classes. So. Um, just first of all and for uh, foremost, thanks so much everyone for listening to this conversation. I know it's been an intense topic and um, you know we, we do have a, we are going to have a trigger warning at the beginning of this podcast um, just to make sure that people know what they're getting themselves into. So if you're listening now, we appreciate you joining us for this ride because we know it's been an emotional and very important conversation. Um, if you ever are feeling like you're in a crisis, if you ever are feeling alone, Uh, suicidal and they need to reach out for help, there's always the 988 hotline. And that's 988, 24 hours, uh, 365 days a week. Anybody can call that, uh, they can text it as well. And it's just a way to talk to somebody if they're feeling down. Also, when it comes to relationships in general, there's also the abuse hotline, and that's 800-799-7233. Again, that's 800-799-7233. A lot of times in uh, relationships, and especially when people are going through mental health issues, it can lead to devastating results. And so we want to, you know, release these resources uh, before it's too late or if you need to reach out to anybody. Uh, more specifically, obviously, in this story, we've been talking about uh, your former partner, and in um, something to note about suicide is that it affects the LGBTQIA community so much more, and um, it's just what happens. Obviously, Han went through her own trauma where she's from, but just to add on to the trauma of, you know, not of you know being being a it's a person in the LGBTQIA community, in the queer community, and uh, you know having to go. the many struggles that i'm sure she had to go through in addition it 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 raises the statistics and that's why i want to share um a project uh, that i've actually been personally volunteering for the trevor project and they have a similar hotline to the 988 hotline it's 1-866-488-7386 And their message is particularly to reach out to LGBTQIA youth, uh, which caps off at 26. So pretty much the exact demographic you were talking about as a 24-year-old going through that, you know, such an important time where, you know, your mind is being shaped and so many outer influences are happening. And Trevor Project is there for people if you just need to talk. If you, it's not necessarily if you are feeling suicidal, but if you are feeling Like you want to harm, if you are feeling lost, Trevor Project is there for you. Again, that number is 1-866-488-7386, or they can be reached on the chat line uh, by texting 678-678. So um, thanks so much for listening to all those resources. Uh, you know, I really appreciate your time, Dr. Chen. This has been such a great conversation. Obviously, um, like I said earlier, when I first realized I was going to take, or actually not when I first realized I was going to take your class, I saw you listed and I said, who is this? I looked you up. I just, you know, uh, fell in love and, you know, got your book and was just like, she's just amazing. So I've always been a super fan. And obviously we've, um, you know, carried on just a, a really, a really great um Repertoire. So I'm just so grateful that you are um, that you are uh, one of my inspirations. So I'm grateful for you in so many ways. Um, so the book I'm speaking of is again is 2014's "Woman on Top" and that's your autobiography. I obviously encourage everyone to to read that. I also own your book um, "Inspiring Women of Hawaii," so that's really cool as well. I know you've written uh, Madonnas and Mavericks, and your most recent publication, Mother, um, has specifically to do with the LGBTQIA storylines. So um, is there anything in general that you're most proud of when it comes to your work? Um, I've had the the pleasure of taking one of your classes, auditing another. Um, You teach theater. You teach peace building. Uh, You're just such an inspiration. So what are just a few of the things that you'd like to tell people about what you do?
1: Uh, I, I don't know if you know, but uh, you, know, you can see me because I'm in tears as you're talking, right? I think it's just so nice to sort of go back in memory and, and like the floodgates are opening and I'm just in tears. And, and just a little note too, it's okay if you cry. It's t- completely healthy to cry. I think Alex has seen me crying throughout this podcast. Uh, it's very healthy. And so that's we're also- both
0: crying, very uh, healthy. Yeah,
1: we're, we're both crying throughout this podcast, just as well as you're just hearing our voices. But I'm fine too if you see me cry. Uh, and- and uh, well, what else am I doing? I also teach leadership classes this year and this semester. I also run a metaverse architecture firm that's called Smoga Studios. So you can check us out, smolvaestudios.com. We're now one of the leading metaverse architectural firms um, in, in the world, in the metaverse. So um, what else? I, I think you've pretty much summed it up, uh, Alex. You know, it's Such an honor and privilege uh, to, to chat with you and you're doing very, very important work. Uh, so yeah, I'm very, very
0: proud of you. You're so kind. I hope people listen to this and, you know, want to learn more about you. But I also hope they they want to take one of your classes, because, like I said, they're so broad. I mean, even if you're not necessarily interested in theater, um, you know, it's even just an entry level class just kind of gets you out of your box. And you also have, like I said, the peace building class offered at Manoa. So it's just super cool that you have all these amazing opportunities to offer all of us. So we're oh. grateful.
1: One little thought uh, that I'm yes. listed in the syllabi or syllabus as Tan T A N. So to Alex's point, if you're trying to Google Loretta Chen C H E N, yes, if you Google Loretta Chen, you'll find a lot about me because that that's the name if, that I. You're not I, as
0: sleuthy as I am. I, I was like, wait a second. Who is there's she? more to what this person? name yeah. who is loretta tan i'm i'm not taking this for for an answer there's she's more than loretta tan <laughs>
1: yeah so if you check looking loretta tan you would be like who is this person uh, so <laughs> so to Find out more about me go to drlorettachan.com. The that's c-h-e-n that that's uh that's who i am uh, so it's loretta tan it's just that uh everything my brand i go under loretta Chan c-h-e-n so that's exactly what alex is talking about um so yeah go, go look me up i have lots of resources cool. online happy to share Happy to connect you're amazing um, on campus is learning a Tanty and just just so you know
0: awesome. Perfect. No, that's great. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that because that, yeah, that, um, that'll save people the, um, well, it'll definitely weed the, the true fans out. You know, you'll get a lot more of me, <laughs> a me in your class, the ones who, who sought you out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's how you really know. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our Love Pono podcast on uh, suicide awareness, suicide prevention, on mental health, on how relationships pertain to suicide, and just this overall wonderful discussion with Dr. Loretta Chen. I'm so grateful that you listened today and my name is Alex Williamson. I serve as your student government president. I'm also an assistant. I love Pono, and I'm grateful to be here. I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Thank you, Loretta. Thank you.